politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew once again for our liberties and our life. Literally, our bodies, our security, everything that matters is on the line. And no, it is not hanging in the balance with the midterm elections. It's hanging in the balance with our initiatives, our desires, our free will. Do we even want to be free? Um, You know, one of the things that a lot of people have asked me, by the way, it is Tuesday, uh, June 7th. I'm back here today in the flesh. We had a terrific show yesterday about the Greater Idaho Movement, which ties into this point that we can't just rely on elections. But a lot of people are asking me, why are the Democrats seemingly so suicidal? It's very interesting that historically, whenever you had an economic downturn, uh, you know, a bad economy that's nothing like what we're experiencing today with inflation, typically the incumbent party would do everything in their power to mitigate the damage because they, they don't want to head into the election uh, with a terrible economy because that's just a recipe for the incumbent party losing. So what are they thinking? They don't appear to be scared. They want to double down. They're not even they're not even publicly lamenting the gas prices and the food prices so much. And the answer is very simple, because unlike our voters and Fox News and the stupid, phony conservative movement, these guys actually think in terms of generations. They think like the Chinese. They think long term. And they understand that in the long run, they win out. Think about Obamacare. They knew they would get crushed in 2010 by passing Obamacare. Okay, and indeed, they lost you know, a record number of House seats. A lot of state legislatures as well that year, governors. But riddle me this. Was it a mistake for the Democrats to do it? Was it worth it for them? And obviously, they gained health care, the greatest share of the economy. They got it a Marxist system that led to COVID fascism and biomedical tyranny that we face today, that is their most potent tool for control over you. So if their goal, their goal is not the, you know, fortunes of various democratic politicians in a given election cycle, their goal is long-term domination of you and me. And that they have achieved. And they know they'll continue to achieve that. At the end of the day, they're still going to control the executive branch, which they do anyway, even when there's a Republican there. Republicans might hold a couple of hearings there, here and there, which will be distractions for the most part. The real things that matter, like on the damage of the vaccines, they're not going to hold hearings on that, and you know that. And they're not going to fight on budget bills because you can't have a government shutdown. So what do you think is going to happen? Oh, Daniel, but then on the state level, we'll really fight. Yeah, really? Where? Which governors have we won that have demonstrated they're going to do that? So far, none. We might get Arizona with an open seat there. Um, trying to think if there's any other state. I can't think of any other on offhand. So the point is, there's a reason why they don't fear anything. And I want to use this principle through the prism of crime and guns today. 
even on an issue like guns, where generally speaking, Republicans are more on message. But what they'll never do is go on offense. They'll never use an opportunity to smash that glass jaw of the left. And as we've been noting for a decade here on this program, where I was the only one saying that we have an under-incarceration problem, not an over-incarceration problem, at a time when Democrats were openly being pro-criminal, which is something that is always bad with the voters, and no one wants that. I mean, even where I live in a deep blue area, uh, the door knockers for these local candidates will say, oh, we're going to fight crime, uh, even though they're, they're lying, but they understand that that's a winning issue with voters. And yet, rather than shove this down their throats and 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 punch that glass jaw, wait a minute, you guys are letting out criminals. You guys want to take away our guns at a time when you are allowing gun felons out of prison? That flips the entire gun violence issue on its head. But they never did that because Republicans to this very day support jailbreak. There's an article out today in Axios about Tennessee's new law to make sure there's no early release for murderers and carjackers. And they note how the governor, the Republican governor, opposes it. We, we've had the speaker, Cameron Sexton, on the show, and he's uh, uh, he, he helped draft the bill, and he pushed back against him. Kudos to him. But for the most part, in most states, the state legislative leadership agrees with the governor. So here we are today. You know, one of the dominant stories since Uvalde is gun control. And Biden is saying, man, we need to raise the age to purchase guns. We need to ban these type of guns. We need red flag laws. And Republicans have the opportunity to punch that glass jaw. You want to talk about a red flag? You want to circumvent due process to just randomly red flag someone when you have someone as a screaming, blurring red light, red alarm, red flag, with due process that has committed numerous violent acts with a gun, and then he's caught again with a gun illegally, and you don't want to add to the prison numbers. Hey, buddy, you, Joe Biden, love guns, except only in the hands of those who will harm others with it. But you don't hear that from Republicans. I, I always note that people forget the same date of Parkland. What was it, February 14th, uh, 2018? Was it 2018? I'm forgetting um, which year. Time goes by fast. That same date, the Judiciary Committee, Senate Judiciary Committee, which was run by Republicans, marked up a bill to lower penalties for federal gun felons. Every Democrat and like half the Republicans joined in with that. That was the irony. They took off the table a huge issue. We could totally own them on the age and the red flag issue. That's what I want to talk about today. But before we just get into guns and crime and gun felons, I, I want to talk about the, the general idea of missed opportunities. Typically, when you have a boxing match, you're, you're somewhat evenly matched, at least within the ballpark. You're not going to have someone 100 times stronger or more skilled than the other guy. So you really can't afford to miss opportunities, right? Because inevitably, the guy is going to seize on your opportunities. So if he lets his guard down, you have to take that punch. And taking that punch changes the trajectory of, your, of the rest of the fight. 
and the amount of defense you're going to have. See, if you're just sitting there with no affirmative agenda, so every day, every week, the left is going to come up with these new catalyzing events, or you're just going to have something occur in the world that they're going to capitalize on, they're going to lie about, distort, focus on it in a vacuum, you know, when they feel that some sort of news story benefits their narrative, when really there's a hundred others that work against it. And if you're never taking the advantage of news stories and driving policy based on them everywhere where you supposedly have control, so you're just going to get hit all the time. You can never say, look, I'm going to, I'm really skilled at defense. And obviously Republicans aren't, but I'm saying, let's say, I'm just going to bob and weave and sway the guy's punches. I'll have my hands behind my back. No matter how good you are, inevitably you're going to get hit. But when you're constantly punching and you're on offense, that, you know, as we well know, the best offense, the best defense is a good offense. So it changes the discussion. We talked about that yesterday on yesterday's show with the Florida governor. Every day he comes out with a new attack. It changes the discussion. And I do see I do think that we're starting to see that with the grooming issue. We're we're finally going on offense in enough places where for the first time in 15 years we're winning on a social issue. And we could have always won. We could define the narrative. Rather than be on defense, oh, I don't I don't think gun control is a good idea, but maybe we need to look at red flag laws. No, USOB, you let out the gun felons. You let out the people that have been proven with due process to be a red flag, and then they're caught illegally with a gun, and you let them out. And I would call Biden's bluff tomorrow and say, all right, buddy, every single gun felon caught, 25-year mandatory minimum, including juveniles. I want to discuss this through the prism of some Chicago cases, but it really could apply elsewhere. First, our sponsor today, Birch Gold Group, with all the global upheaval from our stupid policy on Russia and Ukraine, creating the supply chain shortages, the food prices are soaring, which, as we could see, this ain't ending because they don't want it to end, because they think long-term. Well, we need to think long-term, too. The stock market's run has finally come to an end. You need to protect your nest egg with gold and silver. If you're going to do it, you may as well do it with the most reputable company, and that is Birch Gold. They'll help you convert an IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered account. I just uh, converted a IRA when I did my taxes in March, uh, rather than typically putting in a mutual fund, which I've been doing until now. So get started now like I did by texting Daniel to 989898. There's thousands of satisfied customers, an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau. Birch Gold can help protect your savings. Again, text Daniel to 989898 to get a free info kit, no obligation, just to understand the mechanics of how it works to invest in gold and silver from Birch Gold by texting Daniel to 989898. So you look at Chicago, and this applies really to every city, and including red states, by the way, too. Murders are up 50% in Dallas, Texas, because the Texas Public Policy Institute and the stupid, coke, phony, pothead libertarians uh, all over Texas have gotten 
the last three governors to buy into this dumb agenda. So Republicans for the last 10 years have gone along with this. So every city we have record crime. Why? Here's why. Because bad guys tend to do two things. Drugs and guns. As we well agree here, I think we all agree, that a war on an item doesn't work. It just doesn't. A war on a gun, a war on drugs. But what does work is locking up the bad dudes. And Reagan understood this with the drugs. We didn't succeed in ending drugs, but we did succeed in a 70% generational decline in violent crime in this country. Because we locked up all the bad guys who were doing that. We're doing everything else too. And it's the same thing with guns. If you would only enforce the laws against the guys that commit violent crimes with guns and or subsequently, because they're a violent felon, they're caught illegally with a gun, which they always are, you know, because they're back in their gang activities. If you would merely lock them up, you would reduce like 80% of the violent crime, particularly the shootings, the carjackings, and all that stuff. But the story of every major, major, I was going to say city or something that rhymes with it, but uh, it, like Chicago is what we're seeing every day with these gun felons. So last week, there was this suspect, I don't have the name in front of me, but he shot a female cop on a Chicago street. She was pulling him over for a traffic stop. And this happens all the time. Shoots through the window. She was uh, seriously injured. The mayor puts out a statement. We'll be praying for the injured officer and the entire department as they grapple with yet another heinous and deliberate assault on our officers' lives. Now, this would be a perfect opportunity to throw back at them what they say to us. Wait a minute. You're saying you're talking about prayers rather than doing something about it. Except in this case, there actually is something to do about it. You see, CWB Chicago, it's a great website. They, they track all these gun felons. They have a list of like, I want to say 80 gun felons that have been released, that have gone on to commit murder or attempted murder while out on probation, um, bond, all this stuff. They're so predictable. So the suspect in this shooting is a convicted robber, and he was arrested October 2020 during a drunk driving incident possessing a loaded handgun in the car. Now, your convicted robber, and I'm sure he had many more things. I didn't check up his history. You're caught drunk driving, and you have a loaded gun that you cannot possess, right? We're told that Chicago... You know, if you want to defend yourself against the carjackers and you're caught carrying, you'll go to jail, right? You're not allowed to carry. But he's carrying. Well, you would say, man, if you're, if you truly are against gun violence the way the left complains, uh, claims to be, or you hate guns in general, you would really lock this guy up. He was let out on 500 bail at the time. And then prosecutors completely dropped the charges just four months later. And I want to get to the prosecutors a little later because this is the big issue. Everyone's talking about defund the police. That's a fake GOP talking point. That's not really the issue. The issue is more the jailbreak, the judges, and the prosecutors. They dropped the charges. 
because the dirty little secret is this. They claim that, oh my gosh, guns, 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 we want gun control. The reality is, and this is what Republicans have failed to point out and punch that glass jaw. When they look at felony possession, they roll their eyes at it. These same leftists, they view it as a nonviolent, low-level offense. Yeah, he's just carrying, you know, what's the big deal? So they dropped it, and this happens all the time. All the time. And then, of course, now he is, um, I don't know if they caught him. When I looked into this, he was still on the loose. But he is suspected of attempted murder with this cop. And that is the story of almost every shooting in a city like Chicago. They fit the profile of this dude. Then, as you well know, one of the big things that they're gaining traction with a little bit is to say, you know, the, you know I'm all for guns, but this business of these 18-year-olds, you see it's the youngsters committing most of these mass shootings, we need to raise the legal purchase age to 21. Which, by the way, is true for handguns in most states. Well, you see, anyone who understands what's going on in cities where I live and all over the country, the majority of the violent armed carjackings are being done by those younger than 18. You see, they say they want to raise the purchasing age to 21, but in fact, they are totally fine with you having a handgun when you're 12 or 14 or 16, so long as you are carjacking someone with it, and, and preferably someone who's white. Isaac Corona, another Chicago dude, this is from like last week or two weeks ago, he's charged with the murder of Justin uh, Gamino, um, one of these young fathers who... You know, he's a young guy, but he had a two-year-old girl, and he was working on his high school diploma. Looked like he was turning his life around. This is not—I don't think this is a gang shooting. I think this is random. I don't think the guy, the victim in this case, was involved in in shooting too. Often, they're both kind of guilty. Um, randomly shot him and killed him. According to prosecutors, Corona was charged with illegally possessing a firearm as a juvenile, but was given probation. Then in 2016, a grand jury... So you say, all right, well, you give him one chance. Oh, second chances. Then in 2016, a grand jury indicted Corona on charges of attempted murder, aggravated discharge of a firearm, and aggravated assault by discharge of a firearm. He basically went up to someone and, like, shot at them point blank three shots, but somehow he missed, and then the gun jammed, so nothing really happened, but that's as close to attempted murder as it comes. But... As always, there was a plea deal with the prosecutor, and he was sentenced to only three years. Again, he's caught, you know, illegally possessing a gun, then attempted murder with a gun afterwards. Three-year sentence. Most of it was while on home electronic monitoring, so he didn't even serve time in the joint for most of the time. And even that sentence was basically cut in half because of good behavior. Again, I'm reading to you these cases because they embody what is occurring on American streets every day. It is so easy to deter this. It's the good time credits. It's the pre-trial release. It's the post-trial you know, plea, plea deals, the Soros prosecutors. It's all of that. 
Seven months after his parole ended in January 2021, Corona was caught running from cops during a traffic stop, which I'm assuming means there's a lot more sinister stuff going on. And you can guess what they found on him. A loaded handgun in one pocket and a magazine in the other. And I doubt that magazine was within the 10 uh, capacity limit of Chicago, right? Now you'd think, okay, so this guy was forever having illegal guns. Then he literally went up to someone and shot them three times point blank. Gets off real easy. And now he's caught illegally possessing again. Freeze frame right there. That is where we need to say, hey, buddy, yeah, let's raise the age. In other words, if you're a juvenile caught attempted murder and multiple times felony possession, let's shake on it right now. Mandatory 25 years. Mandatory 25 years. Imagine if every Republican governor would call Biden's bluff right now on that. Now, they're not going to do it because most governors agree with Tennessee Governor Bill Lee because guess what? They're not stupid. They know what I know, that this is the fulcrum to solving the crime issue. Most of them, this is not just a handful of people. This is the profile of most people. If you would impose a 25-year mandatory minimum, no exceptions, including juveniles, with those who are either committing violence against someone with a gun or after having been convicted, let's say of an armed carjacking, armed robbery, they're caught then with felony possession, 25 years. You think it's too much, make it 20. I am telling you, you would... You would literally, with that one law, lop off more than half a violent crime. But then again, that would lock up most of the criminals. It would add to the numbers. And Republicans don't like to add to the numbers because they think we need criminal justice reform. But I'm not done yet. So again, felony possession is a, is a, is a minor. Then he's shooting at someone. Gets three years total sentence, but it's really a year and a half. Most of it spent at home with electronic monitoring. Then he's caught again running from police with a legally loaded handgun. Well, now for sure we threw the book at him, right? Nope. He struck another plea deal and was sentenced to just two years in prison. And you guessed it, 50% of it, he received time credit. And again, even that year that was left was mainly on electronic monitoring. He was out less than two months later in early January 2022. And that is how he was on the street to kill this father of two, allegedly. But that's, we're not done yet. Who was Corona's alleged accomplice in the car that day in the slaying of Justin Gamino? There were a bunch of people in that car. One of them was Antonio Gonzalez. Um, But he wasn't caught. He got it. He ran away at the scene of the crime and then later allegedly ran over a Chicago cop with a stolen car. All from this one incident. What was his history? About a year ago, Gonzalez was arrested for illegally possessing a handgun during a traffic stop. According to court records, he posted a $500 bond deposit, then failed to show up for court twice. But despite those failures, the judge never issued a warrant for his arrest. Several months later, he was arrested again for involvement in a carjacking you guessed it, but despite the pending gun charge and failures to show, and now being caught you know, on that kind of probationary period bail 
with a carjacking, he was released on a thousand deposit. Not surprisingly, he's now accused of being involved in, you guessed it, another carjacking, another attempted murder, and then running over a cop with the stolen car. I could go on and on. Let me give you one more case. This guy, Daryl Frazier in Chicago. After having shot a handgun into an occupied car one day, just, you know, kind of discharged it in an occupied car. I don't know if anyone was hit. He pled down to just a three-year sentence, which, of course, wound up being much less. November 2020, he was charged with shooting his own son in the leg. So that's a pretty big red flag, right? That's a pretty big, big red flag case. Now, initially, the judge did what you would expect and held him on a, on a million bail. But three months later, and this often happens, the, the lawyers work at it. Three months later, it was slashed to just 50000 which meant that he was able to be let home on electronic monitoring with just a 5000 deposit, 10%. Despite violating the terms of his release, because he cut off the electronic monitoring, he, he went different places, Rather than put him back in with no bail, the judge went the other way and just made him pay another 2000 deposit and then just said, just chucked electronic monitor. Okay, you're free. On, just pay another 2000 deposit. You're free. Fast forward, May 27th. Police arrested him for tossing a loaded handgun wrapped in a hoodie on the ground in a residential neighborhood. These are the stories every day that we see in America. But no Republican has ever held the Democrats accountable for this. Because they have bought in to criminal justice reform. And also, like, you know, tied into this, one of the things we're doing is we're talking about you have to look beyond federal elections. And we talked about the greater Idaho movement pushing for national divorce, state conventions for primaries, just in general getting involved at a local level in policy and legislation and pressuring and pressuring the NGOs. You know, getting involved in the culture. You got to get on the playing field. Just electing Republicans ain't going to cut it. But one of these things is, at least if you're going to focus on elections, the elections that matter, as I tell you, are sheriff, prosecutor, and county judge. That matters. Because, again, remember, the law is being used against us. We're the criminals. So they're locking up people for, you know, like political dissidents, and then... The most violent gun felons, they're letting out. An amazing analysis was done by it's at policedefense.org. My buddy Sean Kennedy, he's our crime expert. We brought him on the show sometimes. He does research for them. They came out with a report. While Republicans have been buying into criminal justice reform, since 2014, Soros has spent $40 million to elect DAs who now represent 72 million people. Meaning, if you look at the population under the auspices of these Soros DAs, that's a fifth of the country. Okay? But 40% of the homicides occurred in those areas, in those cities. Think about that. He has spent $40 million electing these guys, and then really billions in other perks. 75 Soros DAs, LA, New York, Philly, Houston, Chicago, Fairfax, Wisconsin. Okay? 
40% of the U.S. murders are there. And I think you can now understand it. Because if you watch carefully, you either have a leftist judge involved or a prosecutor, plea deal. Now, some of it is because, you know, even legitimate prosecutors, we do have, you know, while they're taking away our due process, when it comes to people that already, you know, there's enough evidence to convict them of a violent crime, then we have, you know, 10 layers more due process that the Constitution never accorded them. But with these prosecutors, no, they actually want to let them go. They purposely take plea deals. And again, you know, it's not just Houston, L.A., New York. Soros invested money this year in DA races in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay? So, and I believe in that case, he spent 10 times as much as... Um, as the other candidate. Right? Because remember, how much do you spend on a DA race already? So if you come into that race with, you know, $500,000, especially in Little Rock, Arkansas, or maybe it was three fifty or something, well, that's going to swamp the guy. Now, it happened to be Soros's guy still lost. This was last month. He did lose, but often he's won. So, folks, this is a big, big deal. There are 75 Soros-backed prosecutors, and there's many more in the pipeline. Many more in the pipeline. He, uses, he, he also uses a lot of these, like, shell organizations, affiliates, pass-through committees. So it's really more than that. It's hard to fully track it. Um, and, and we're paying for it. 22,500 homicides last year, 9,000, more than 9,000 were in those areas. And again, even the ones without the Soros prosecutors, they're not exactly, uh, you know, like you and me. So folks, this is a big deal. Where are Republicans pushing back? Even on the gun issue that they're generally pretty good on, they're all on defense. Oh, yeah, we need to look at mental health. We need to look at all the shootings in this country, or most of them, are from the people that their Soros prosecutors let out after having committed multiple violent crimes with a gun, subsequently caught illegally possessing a gun. Because, again, everything is backwards. You, you have to understand, it's not hypocrisy. It's not a double standard. That is their standard. It's a hierarchy. It is a hierarchy. And they believe that they need weapons. They, they have to protect themselves against us. They're fine with it. I want you to have this fresh in your mind. These stories out of Chicago, and, again, I could, I could list you. There's tons of them. Um... Where is this? Minneapolis. It was a crazy story I saw recently. Um, someone someone sent me. I'm just pulling it up here. Tasia Diana White, 26 convictions, 10-time convicted felon, most of them violent felonies. She was convicted on felon in possession of firearms. Again, after 26 convictions, she was granted a downward sentencing departure by Judge Paul Scoggin and was allowed to serve three separate felony sentences concurrently. 
Republicans will not fight on this. We had one good legislative leadership in Tennessee, and even then the governor fought it, and he would have vetoed the bill if he had the votes. So Republicans are not fighting. The way to disarm gun control is by slamming them on criminal control and gun felons. But Republicans also buy into the lie that we have bloated, costly prisons, and we just can't afford to lock up more people. Because Republicans are to the left of where Democrats were three minutes ago. But I want you guys to focus on this as I read to you a message from Steve Dace about January 6th. So they're commencing the hearings now, January 6th, the, the stupid committee. So think about all these people, multiple, multiple chances, multiple chances. The prosecutors would give them free plea deals to essentially not really serve any time in jail after shooting at people, attempted murder, armed carjacking, multiple chances, multiple felony possessions. So this guy emails, he doesn't say the name, but but Steve uh, read his message. I'm looking at years in prison after I took a plea. He had to, he had, this is the other way. He had to take a plea from a position of weakness. You may ask, why would people take a plea if they're innocent? Innocent has nothing to do with this, as my lawyer has told me over and over again. It's payback. There are only a handful of representatives in D.C. that care about us. The vast majority couldn't care less. Again, this is kind of like vaccine injury to, to most Republicans. By the way, all the Republicans that will control the committee, chairmanships and leadership. They secretly despise Trump and anyone on the 6th as well. DOJ knows this. There will be no reform of this government. There will be no going back. All there is now is a path ahead, but the path will never lead back to the country we once were. I watched for four years as our government that I pay taxes for try to impeach and even oust our president with sheer impunity. Hillary's smearing stunt morphed into a coup that lasted Trump's entire term. Then I watched the election get stolen from the American people. So I went to D.C. to support the way I thought best. I wasn't violent. I didn't break anything. I didn't steal anything. But that doesn't matter. I lost my six-figure income friends and my family is a wreck. I had the FBI in my home. I was brought before a judge in shackles. And I'm a lucky one. I got to remain free till sentencing. So this is the country that I now live in, where the powerful few can attack an elected president, attempting to remove him for four years. Elections no longer matter. We're no longer free. And this country was taken without firing a single shot. Guns are meaningless at this point. I love how this guy makes my point. It was the First Amendment that people should have been fighting for the most. I'm now barely making a living doing manual labor for just over minimum wage until my sentencing is over. I was threatened with 20 years in prison, something only murderers face. <laughs> and I would add most of them don't face that. We couldn't change the venue, and none of the motions to dismiss were accepted. So at, to the pleading of my wife, the, ext the extreme bias of D.C. and its jury pool of my peers, and advice from my lawyer, I destroyed a part of me and signed a paper full of exaggerations, lies, and more importantly, a narrative that fits what they want. I'm a Christian, and somehow I feel damned. I lied to save my family. My pastor tells me about Rhea, but it doesn't help. I don't look at myself in the mirror anymore. Part of me is dead now. I now wake up longing for the Lord to take me. January 6th was a dark day. There was violence by some that's reprehensible. No one should have broken anything or stolen anything or hurt anyone. Having said that, January 6th should be remembered as the last outburst from people who were sick of the coup against Trump. 
the lies about Russiagate, the double standard of the Bidens and how they obtained their wealth compared to the treatment of Trump, the double standard of BLM riders and everything else, the forced LG whatever FU pumped into our children, our children's minds at schools while trying to shut out God at every corner, the endless wars, separation of abortions, the government spending that has put children not even born into a lifelong death, the list goes on and on. This was the last cry for the death of a nation. I don't know what's going to happen to my family while I'm gone for years. My wife has depended on me. Our whole marriage, she is the only woman I have ever been with, the only woman I've ever loved. I hope she can care for the kids without me. I am a J6er and I'm going to prison. He doesn't say here how long it is. But I guarantee you it will be longer than all of the gangbanger gun felons that are released. Folks, you cannot bridge this divide. You cannot share a country with these people. This anarcho-tyranny. And Republicans will never make the point. They will not fight the glass jaw that they have on gun felons. They won't juxtapose it to true nonviolent people. Can, you know, uh, even, even the misdemeanors they're charged with were trumped up. And they get more than murderers. They will never focus on it. Because Republicans will never focus on the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter. They'll distract you on everything else. Where are Republicans with this message on crime, on gun felons, on January 6th, on anarcho-tyranny? They're nowhere. And that, my friends, is why the Democrats... And when I say the Democrats, maybe there's a couple of elected Democrats that are scared that they'll lose their personal seats. But the guys that really control the strings and really run the world, they do not care. Because elections do not matter. And that's that's assuming they're, they're even reflective of what people voted for. I'm not even getting into voter fraud. I'm, I'm assuming there's no voter fraud for this discussion. The biggest voter fraud is the Republican Party. That is the ultimate voter fraud. That they run ads lying to to our voters and getting them to vote for them based on these broad platitudes indulging our issues and they get in there to do the exact opposite and the money they use from the industries to put out all their ads are predicated on the fact that they're bought into the exact opposite agenda of the message for which they try to pollute the minds of our voters with over the airwaves, bought and paid for by the money of the industries, knowing that they're going to do the exact opposite. So yeah, it's a grim picture. But that is why I am beyond this point. We might lose our institutions. We might lose our country. We better have Republicans win the election. That's over. We lost the country. You will never get that back. You will never retrace the steps to 1980. That is not going to happen. It needs to be a bunch of local oases for freedom where we start fighting back in a new way, focusing nonstop, owning the space of those local red areas, whether it's nonprofits, whether it's the business world, whether it's the county council, the legislature, the prosecutor, the sheriff, the county judge. We make the local culture all in our area. We try to consolidate our areas. This is why I'm all for yelping about divorce within each state the rural versus urban divorce we need to accentuate that we need to push it to that level we need to demand that autonomy but my fear is as the months go on this year 
it all won't matter because Republicans are going to win a big election. This is my challenge. This is your homework, folks. How do we break out of that paradigm with Republican voters getting doped up on this political fentanyl, having their senses dulled, and just longing towards the general election in November as if that's going to solve anything in a vacuum, especially at a federal level? I have no idea. But for one, I'm not going to be content with that, and we're going to demand better. So what other big issue that's existential to our survival civilization where there is such an opportunity politically to punch the glass jaw of the communists, to educate the American people, to inflame their passions against the injustice that has been committed against them, but yet Republicans refuse to do it and will not do it regardless of the election results. And that is, of course, the clot shots and everything that they represent in terms of biomedical tyranny. There is, we've already made it clear, there is no amount of data, scientific information that will demonstrate the negative efficacy and endless array of maladies, an endless amount of deaths, hundreds of thousands of deaths, millions of injuries that will prompt the Republicans to fight it. They are very clear. They are not governed by um, what is just, what is moral, what is legal, what is uh, scientific. They are governed by political posturing, and their political barometer is broken, so they, were, they will not take those punches. Now, you can imagine, let's say you have 15, 20, or in this case, 5,000, 10,000 punches you could have taken. Over time, that will weaken your opponent. That will change the entire trajectory of other issues as well, the focus of the nation. See, you're never going to get the public to go from zero to 100 quickly. Right, But if over time you inform them about all the things that are going on, they're like, hey, wait, this is a problem. This is worse than we thought. This is worse than we thought. There's a very interesting article out. The New York Times talks about the next frontier with the anti-vaxxers. And basically, now that they've fought the COVID shot, they're going to go after the other um, shots on the childhood schedule. And like, yeah, you better believe we are. Because now, A, we've learned no matter what, there is never a, a moral justification to say someone has to inject even something good in their body. If it works, it works. <laughs> right? How, how, how does person A affect person B? So that always needs to be done, that we need to make sure that we're not kicking people out for it. And you better believe we need to audit every single shot that's out there. What is the need? What do we know about it? What are the different types? But no Republican will do that. So here we are. We are stuck with the biggest threat to our, our, our life in the most literal sense, and Republicans don't care. We literally have one Republican Department of Health in Florida that's raising concerns. This is from FloridaPolitics.com. The guy did a hit piece on Latipo. Um, at a press, he talks about Latipo speaking at the press conference about the agreement with the Special Olympics because... The Florida Health Department threatened to fine them if they were going to impose a clot shot mandate. So Latipo said, people will say millions of people have taken these vaccines. They must be safe. Well, you can't know the answer to that when it is taboo to talk about having a reaction after vaccines. Um, the stream of adverse events that I've heard from people all over the country after these vaccines is nothing like in the years of my life. And I've been in medicine administering vaccines for many years. 
And, you know, the reporter goes on to make fun out of him. But the reality is, name me one other Republican talking like this. You know, Senator Ron John, but he's just one senator. So he's the only guy. But governor, we only have one. Today, I don't know as of now the outcome of it, but they're going to approve Novavax. Literally, for the first time, approve a shot for a strain of two years ago that no longer exists. And no, folks, it's not any better, by the way. People think, oh, it's a traditional vaccine. No, it's not. They use a moth platform. And at the end of the day, it's spike protein-oriented. There were three trials, a UK trial, a one in the US and Mexico, and then one in, I believe, South Africa. And they all have the same fraud as other ones. The UK one did not prevent a single death. There was one death in the vaccine and placebo group. <laughs> Each, okay, so there's no evidence it works. There was one hospitalization for COVID in the placebo group. Um, so they literally have no data showing it works. In the UK, uh, in, in the US and Mexican study, again, no evidence prevented deaths or hospitalizations. There was a significant increase in severe local and systemic reactions um, after dose two occurred. Basically, I'm just looking here. It was 6.7 times greater, 6.7 fold greater in the trial group than placebo group. Um, South Africa, same deal, did not reduce risk of hospitalizations or death. It doubled the risk of experiencing medically attended adverse events or serious events. And the FDA did interestingly release documents that demonstrated the myocarditis and everything, which is funny because they won't do it with the mRNAs. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. Fauci is very down on Novavax. That's mainly cartel and cartel violence. Don't get sucked into, oh, but Novavax is great. We don't know. No, no, let me say this. It's crap. They're all bad. They're bad. Now, if you ask me, if you're forced to get it, and I put a gun to your head and say Novavax is an option, is it better? We cannot make the determination yet. But what we can determine is that it's horrible. It doesn't work. It's for an outdated strain anyway. It has the same problem. Toby Rogers on his Substack notes that, you know, based on the documents released, is a crazy thing he pulled out. 12.2% of the treatment group and 22% of the placebo participants dropped out. That in itself should be disqualifying. That never happens. The fact that one-fifth, almost a quarter of the placebo group dropped out shows that there's something seriously wrong going on there because placebo, they, they claim it's saline. How do you drop out of saline? What, what could have happened to you? Something's really funny. Extremely funny there. And then he notes that the participants, when the participants did a blinded crossover, um, no, no, I'm sorry. He notes from the document, during the Novavax trial, Pfizer and Moderna coronavirus shots received EUA, right? Because they were much earlier. And, and Novavax was still going on. 
Novavax allowed their own trial participants to switch to Pfizer and Moderna. Okay? So you have multiple mix and matches that, that render their entire data worthless. Worthless. So there you have it. There is no evidence they ever worked, even for the original strain. Certainly for this strain, you're going to have original antigenic sin. We have the myocarditis now. But nothing matters. Do you know, um, over at Daily Skeptic, Nick Bowler, B-O-W-L-E-R, he has an article up that for people, he calculated in the UK for people over the age of 75, the death rate from the shot. Right, this is not including severe adverse events. The death rate was 1 in 925. And again, this is so far. This is not a matter of how many are going to die within five years. But, you know, in the immediate, 1 in 925. That is a huge deal. You know, typically you, you go with 1 in a million, 1 in 925. Again, that that jives, that number, if you do the math, it jives with the estimates that we've had somewhere in the ballpark of a few hundred thousand deaths in the U.S. And again, this is short term, but this is just looking at the excess deaths and everything. Because remember, when it comes to VAERS, we have, what, like, you know, 28,500 uh, entries for death there. They're all going to be immediately. Those are the only ones that are going to be in there, and especially for elderly people. It doesn't get it included. And, and, you know, it's so tragic. My wife, you know, today I have a, kind of a tough day because i got to watch the kids. My wife had to travel to the funeral of her uncle. Officially, he died of COVID. He, was, he had dementia. He was in a, in a home. And you can imagine, I, I don't know if he got four or five. I know he definitely got at least three shots. Okay? It doesn't work. Now, what we're all trying to figure out is, again, how do you die from it? Because typically, when we would, again, we're not that close, and it's not like she had control over anything and could have offered anything. But the reality is, typically, during 2021, we, we, we talked about this a lot. We did a ton of shows on it because we wanted it to save lives. There was a very clear progression of how this would work and how it killed you. It was very clear, especially with the Delta variant, how it would kill you. With Omicron and these whatever variants, it's not clear how it's killing people. You know, they said he had pneumonia, and then it was like he was getting better, and then suddenly, oh, he's dead. It wasn't like, oh, okay, you know, the blood oxygen level's low, he's on a ventilator. It's not clear what happened. How much of it is they just market as COVID, so COVID plus age plus dementia, basically it's time for you to go type of thing. How much of it is original antigenic sin and ADE? How much of it is both? I don't know. But this is happening a lot. And what's clear is, after all the money we spent putting aside the adverse events, it doesn't freaking work. And yet, Republicans are not even discussing this. Still going on. Perpetuates COVID. People still die from it. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know whatever happened to Paxlovid. Like, I thought that was great. Why didn't they give him Paxlovid? I don't know. Maybe they did. Who knows? But the point is, what is very abundantly clear is anyone who is slated to die from COVID and has been slated to die, 
whether it's real, whether it's a lack of treatment, whether they do other stuff to them, I don't know. That has not changed with the shots and with Paxlovid. Those people are still dying. It doesn't work. And now we have crazy stuff. Um, I, we, we've talked about this a couple times before, but a lot of you are sending me the article from Epoch Times, Studies Link Incurable Prion Disease with COVID-19 Vaccine. This is the Kreutzfeldt Jakob disease. That's basically human mad cow disease. It makes your brain go to mush. It's almost always fatal. There are now three studies out linking CJD to the shots. So there's a whole article on that there. There's a French study. It was actually from Luc Montaner, the Nobel laureate for discovering HIV. He just died recently, but he was working on this. He identified 26 cases across Europe and the U.S. Um, all within about four or five months after getting vaccinated. Just that one thing alone would have had this stuff pulled from the market. But next week, they're ready to approve it for babies and toddlers. Could you imagine what we could have done if we would have had easily, easily by now, 12, 13 months worth? You know what I'm saying? Even if you wanted to wait a few months and really you know, dip your toe in slowly, you had a full year by now where we could have had an entire messaging apparatus of an entire political party focused on this. But you know what? You know how bad it is? How taboo it is among the phony right to even discuss this? Even now, when we've made it easy to do, it's like, you know, this time last year was kind of tough. But now, are you kidding me? Everyone knows it. But Dr. Sherry Timpenny, one of the most brilliant doctors around, she's like Mark Twain's um, rare patriot, scarce patriot, I mean, scorned, mocked her entire life, and she was proven right on everything. She was kicked off Trump's truth social for posting stuff. Real nice. Real nice. Unbelievable. Up is down, down is up. Portugal. 2,300 cases per 100,000. In America, we never reached that level. I believe that Portugal is the number one most vaccinated European country. 70% have boosters. And yet right now, they have the highest case rate in the world, the second highest death rate in the world. Why? And by the way, you know what the number one is? Taiwan, which did... Now, you might say, well, Daniel, that's because they had no deaths until now, so they didn't have natural immunity. Okay, so then it's all based on natural immunity. It's not based on the shots because they should... If they, if they were able to hold off with no excess deaths until the shots, they should be great. Oh, you held off until the shots, now you have it. They don't work, and they never did. Truly, truly disgusting. And then we have, this is from the Scotland, Scotland the, the Sun, 
Women under 40 are increasingly dying of a sudden killer disease. Blood clots can occur in people of any age and strike those who are seemingly fit and healthy. Data from Scotland show an unusual spike in the rates of death caused by blood clots in the past five years. Notice they, they try to say five years. They have this guy whose daughter of 23 died of deep vein thrombosis. There were a total of 73 deaths in under 40-year-old between 2002-2006 where blood clot was the underlying cause. You know, and they try to say, oh, it went up, it rose. And they, they're like, it's puzzling. It's out of the blue. We just don't, we don't understand it. We just don't understand it. Well, if we actually had a movement in place, we can make people understand. This is my point. Don't ever think a, an issue is winning or losing based on what you see going on. You can only win if you get on the playing field. And right now, the bad guys are winning by acclamation. So again, in the coming days and weeks, we're going to continue trying to formulate other strategies to focus on the right issues that matter. But whatever you do, folks, please do not put your eggs in the basket of the stupid federal GOP control with Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. By the way, Trump just endorsed Kevin McCarthy. Um... You know, them taking over Congress. Literally, nothing will change. In fact, what I fear is you'll have a distraction. And, oh, we're taking care of. We won. That's the worst. The worst thing we can do is to believe we don't have to do anything more. To give people hope. I don't want to give people hope. Because the biggest hope is our ability to do other things that actually do work. But if you put hope in golden calves and false idols, guess what? You're never going to take that initiative to do what does work. That's why, to me, it's so important to push this movement of the rural counties in every state saying, hey, look, we're going to join another state. We're going to do this. Push the movement. Whether you actually wind up succeeding like they're trying to do in eastern Oregon with greater Idaho or not, to me, that's immaterial to the fact that you're going to further accentuate the divide and make it clear to our people that it is hopeless under the current system unless we think of new ideas. And by the way, before we, we run, I just got one more, uh, one more point to make here. Going back to the crime issue, the juxtaposition that the criminal is a victim, victim is criminal, um, you know, prosecutors are going after us and then letting out the worst thugs. So, you know, the Supreme Court declined to tape up the McCloskey case from Missouri, right? That was the couple, the wealthy uh, couple of lawyers in this uh, St. Louis urban, it was an urban neighborhood, but it was a nice neighborhood in a in a in in, in the city where BLM was attacking them. They had their guns drawn, and you know, this is a red state. This is Missouri. The governor failed to send the national guard to deal with the rioters. He wouldn't initially pardon the McCloskeys. Then a source prosecutor dropped all charges against the armed. BLM rioters who broke into their gated community and now the Supreme Court refuses to take up their appeal never forget that the Supreme Court ain't going to be our savior okay and, and I'm just telling you when the Dobbs opinion comes out we are going to pay for that with many many other bad opinions 
So again, stay with this show. Don't put your hope in false idols. Send this show to all your friends and relatives. Let's create a new movement, new focus, and let's actually punch back.